I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So the Bucks draft is in the books. How did they do and why did they draft Florida quarterback Kyle Trask? What's the plan for him? What sleepers are in this draft class for Tampa Bay? Meanwhile, the Rays lost two of three to the Astros. The Lightning got three points over the weekend versus Detroit. And Andre Vasilevsky didn't play either game. We've got all that. And Sam Burns wins at the Valspar in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Um, We can get into this in a second, Steve, and I'll just say that there's a, a lot of reaction to what Look to be more than just a protest for and Man United. Uh, Old Trafford was stormed. Um, this was this was like international news, right? Uh, the mm-hmm. fans protesting the ownership by the Glazers. Mm, man, that did not look good over no, there. They had to postpone their game against Liverpool on Sunday. So, how about that? Yeah, they got them. They were on the pitch, and uh, there was tons of protesters outside, but a, a good number of them got on the pitch, and so. They did cancel the game, and uh, we're getting calls from you know from uh, Great Britain and all that about the Glazers, who we know have not been popular since they purchased that team. So we can get into more of that. There's some questions you guys have. And here's the thing. We're going to do a mailbag uh, tomorrow. You can submit those questions about the Glazers or the Bucks, the Rays, the Bolts, USF, you name it. Uh, do that by contacting us or just sending those questions to at SportsDayTB on Twitter. You can reach me on uh, Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. So, man, a lot lot going over there. Boy, you win, you win a Lombardi trophy and that's not enough for the people in England, really? Well, they're not going to win the Premier League title again this year. So it looks like Man City's pretty much <laughs> wrapped that one up. So they're arch rival in the same yeah. city. So that doesn't help either. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> and right. then you were the when... ones who, uh, the, the reporting the, I've yeah, seen the is Super pretty Liga. much, the Glazers were the ones who kind of started the idea of the Super League and pushed it. So uh, that doesn't that's help either. That's the key. No, that, that's what they're upset about now, confirming all their worst fears um, with the interlopers, you know, trying to uh, change the culture of, of uh, football over there. In, well, in, there's uh, a lot of those Europe. teams that, are, that were going to be part of the Super League that are owned by outside interests right. from Europe. Amer- a lot of Americans. Stan, some... Stan Kroenke owns mm-hmm. one, I think. Yeah, um, Shad Khan. Yeah. Uh, right, right. Uh, and then there's, there's some Middle East-type investors, too, one of the two of the teams, and... Mm-hmm. The European Soccer League, it's completely different than the way American sports are run. Um, That's right. One, you have to earn everything you get. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in the bottom three of the league at the end of the year, you're, you go down to the next league down. I mean, That's you, right. In the Champions League spots, which is what they were trying to basically you know, get rid of the Champions League and form the Super League so that they always got tons of money, is that the Champions League, you have to be in the top four to earn your spot in there. And if you don't, right. if you don't finish in the top four, you don't earn it. You don't get it. And then European soccer, it's all based on you earn what you get. You know, and that's a completely different model than what American sports owners have, which they essentially have monopolies of. There's 32 NFL teams, and there's 30 baseball teams, and there's it. And you're not moving up or down. You're not. It doesn't whether you win or lose. You stay put. You. It doesn't matter. You can be teams that are you know perpetually underperforming the Bucks for many years or the Lions or the Bengals or, you know, you name those teams. Um, and, and But you're not – your revenues may be impacted locally and ticket sales and that, but you're part of the league. You don't lose status. You don't go down to the minors. You don't do anything. So it's a very different system, and, and I think a lot of those owners underestimated the passion that the European ha- fans have for you get what you earn. Yeah, and that's the, that's the very essence and culture of, of – football over there is that any little town and every little town that forms a football club has a chance right they have a chance to mm-hmm. uh, to compete and and actually earn their way um you know uh, to the big time and and you know that's the hope that every little town you know um over there carries with them there was a time when manchester city was not a big thing right 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, they were they were not rivals of Man Man U, um, and yet you know they've managed to form their own team and get better and better. And um, so yeah, the hope and and just the little guy persevering and earning his way against the big guys is what the fabric of that entire um, you know those leagues are and and the culture of that sport over there. And and they literally, you know, we're just going to take that away. And oh boy. Um, you're right. They blame the Glazers and others like them, but especially the Glazers who own, you know, the most visible team over there. So, well, not only the most visible, but from what the, what I had read and was I listened to a few podcasts on because I'm not I enjoy watching European soccer, but I'm not I'm by far not an expert or don't know all the ins and outs. Right, but right, yeah. Back, I think it was 2014 when Man U did not finish in the top four of the Premier League and mm-hmm. missed out, and so. There's no salary caps in, in those leagues. And right. when you make the Champions League, you get paid a ton of money. And Man U, mm-hmm. being one of the biggest teams, makes it every year. Well, mm-hmm. when you base your salaries and buy players and transfer fees and all this, and you're assuming you're going to get Champions League money every year, when you miss that year, that hurts your pocketbook. Because that Champions League is significant money for those teams. Right. And so back in 2014 when Man U missed it, I think it was 2014, is that's when they started to come up with this idea of, hey, let's take the biggest teams in Europe, form our own league, and guarantee us always get big paydays. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of what American sports is, essentially. Right. Um, and part of this European Super League was like 15 of the 20 teams were guaranteed spots and could never be relegated, mm-hmm. which is against everything European soccer has stood for for 100 years now. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it didn't go over well, so we'll take your questions on that as well as uh, anything else you have uh, going for us. So over the weekend, this is never my favorite week, but it was so different um, this year just simply because the Bucks, you know, picking 32nd in the draft, um, certainly nothing that they have done the last time they won a Super Bowl. They had traded their number ones or a couple of them anyway uh, for John Gruden, but, um, you know, the waiting was the hardest part, I guess, uh, as they say, uh, in the record business. And so uh, it was after midnight before the Bucks made their first selection. And we can get into just the draft itself and some of the surprises. We knew the quarterbacks were going to be the big story, especially early on, and uh, they didn't disappoint. Um, kind of an interesting story behind the selection. Um, you know, by the 49ers, I mean, it looked like they were going to go uh, with uh, Mac Jones, and, and, then, <laughs> and then they didn't, and it was – um, you know, everything sort of changed, but, um, so, you know, and, and you had the bears, you know, training up for Justin Fields. And, um, so, so there was some interesting things where the Patriots stayed right where they wanted, right where they were and, um, you know, and got Mac Jones. Um, so quarterbacks aside, although we'll talk about one quarterback coming to Tampa Bay, um, you know, the, the bucks did stay where they were at 32 and I'll tell you, um, they they took uh, Joe Tryon, who's an edge rusher out of uh, the University of Washington, was a former teammate uh, in the very early early years of his career with Vita Vea uh, at UW, and he's you know coached by uh, Jimmy Lake, who used to be um, an assistant coach for the Bucks years ago, then the defensive coordinator at Washington, now the head coach. Last year was his first year during the pandemic. Tryon opted out and. You know, the problem was is that the Pac-12 was one of the conferences that really vacillated. They got to the party very late. They were not going to play. They announced they were not going to play. And then it was like, well, maybe we should play, you know, because the SEC played, uh, the Big Ten, the ACC, all that. And they were they they decided we'll play four, that's right, four games. Um, and, and kind of that'll be our season. And we'll do it in the fall and, you know, late start, all of that. Um, but by that time, you know, Tryon had, you know, pretty much assumed or, or thought that, that there wouldn't be football. And then when they said, well, the last minute is four games, he had already moved to California and he moved there to train for the draft and was, you know, heavily into that process and just felt like, you know what, for four games, if we even play that many, um, it's, it's just not worth my time. I mean, I know I'm going to be a pretty high draft pick. I was productive. The last year he played in 2019, he had like eight sacks and a bunch of tackles for losses and all of that. Really, really fast guy. Um, so he stayed out, and it likely cost him until the bottom of the first round 
But I'm here to tell you the Bucks are really happy to get this guy. Um, and when you talk to him, you understand that he's. it's not unlike Devin White. It's not unlike um, you know some of these guys, Antoine Winfield Jr., some of these guys they've drafted. Just mature, just has a confidence and a maturity about him that's well beyond his years. And, and his story uh, is really interesting. You know, he uh, raised by a single mom, him and his sister, Julia, who's older, about, uh, I think, 13, 14 months older, so like Irish twins. But, um, you know, and, and mom works in the um, sort of the mortgage industry, I guess. Uh, but be that as it may, you know, she had these two kids, and they're not, they're not that far apart age-wise. And she's like, you know, Joe was a kid that was bouncing off the walls like little boys do. And so about age three, he was huge. He was really big for his age. And I think, I think they assumed he was five, but she finally, like, you know, got turned on or, or told about Taekwondo. And so he started that, and his sister also had to do it because, well, you can't drive one without the other. You're a single mom. Um, but Joe ended up being, like, this really great athlete in anything he attempted, basketball, baseball. Like, he, he kind of did it all. And, you know, they got to the draft and it was a bunch of people over the house and all that stuff. And, you know, the the wait was long to the end of the first round. But, um, you know, he, the, the Bucks pulled the trigger. And I, I think it's a good pick. I, I think he's got, you know, some huge upside. You know, the, the downside is that he did opt out. He hasn't played football in a while. Um, but they're not needing him to come in and start. They're needing him to get in a rotation with JPP, with Shaq Barrett. And he's going to be like a sponge, as he said and soak up as much knowledge as he can from those guys. Um, you know, but really interesting, like this family, I mean, Joe's pretty successful now. He's a first-round pick in the NFL. His sister, Julia, all she did was get an academic scholarship to University of Washington. And, oh, by the way, she's starting medical school. So, I mean, single mom, you know, accomplished kids. It was really great to see um, the story of Joe Tryon. And you can go to TampaBay.com and Tampa Bay Times and and get that one now here's the interesting one and we forecast this for weeks if you guys didn't see this fastball coming then you weren't paying attention but in round two pick number 64 the Tampa Bay you select Kyle Trask quarterback University of Florida according to my sources and Kyle Trask like right down the road man Gators quarterback and you you know there's nothing and I mean there is nothing like watching Gator social media collided with Bucks social media, and somewhere in there was Tom Brady. Um, they did inform Tom. We talked to Jason Light, and he said, yeah, I had a conversation about a month ago and kind of let him know this could happen. There was no trouble. Um, but I don't know. What do, you, what do you make of that pick? I mean, they're not going to ask him to play, and here's the thing. Kyle Trask has been here before. He was there in high school when he backed up Derek King and didn't play. Then he got to the University of Florida where he backed up Felipe Franks and didn't play. And each time, in each instance, when he did get his chance, he ripped it. He lit it the hell up. Well, now he's back kind of in his comfort zone of, you know, you're behind the greatest of all time and you're not going to play. But they're hoping that he takes that same kind of determination. Um, And they love a lot of things about his game. So I don't know. I mean, I I don't know that he's going to play. I don't know how long Brady's going to play. So, you know, you could get to the third year and maybe Brady's still playing, but I kind of, I kind of like this pick. Well, I, I guess you know my take on the pick is what what is his ceiling? You know, how good can he be in the NFL? And I, and I'm not I I don't that's not the you know I don't sit there and break down the film that way or whatever. Like well, the comparison the, the comparison mm-hmm. that BA used, and we're all mm-hmm. about comparisons, right? And no sure. no two players are exactly the same. What B.A. used as a comparison was Brad Johnson. Now, Brad Johnson was, was never known as one of the elite quarterbacks in the league. Mm-hmm. You know what he did? He won a Super Bowl. Um, he won it with a very good defense, and, and you know, but he was a smart mm-hmm. starting quarterback for, for many, many years, both in Minnesota, also in with the, with the Washington football team, and then finally in Tampa where he won a Super Bowl. So if he ascends to a Brad Johnson-like level, that would be a huge success for that. That'd pick. be okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, I I, I, I so. like the pick in taking a quarterback. Uh, look, I think they needed mm-hmm. to take one. Is mm-hmm. you know you assume Tom Brady's you know playing this year, but assume another year. But you know he's forty three, right. be forty four soon. Forty five. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know you don't know how long he's going to play. I mean, 
44 in August, yeah. Well, and, and you know, right. and, and he wants to play, but what if, what if you this don't, is you don't his know last year? Maybe well, yeah. you don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Could be injury, could be a lot of things. You, you don't know what happens. You don't know, you know, I mean, look, Aaron Rodgers may quit. I mean, who saw that coming, you know, yeah, six right. months ago? Exactly, right. Exactly right. Great example. Yeah. Um, and not that Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are the same person, but if if right. if his ceiling is high and you think he's got a chance to be a, a, a legit starting quarterback in this league and you know a solid quarterback for many years, then I love this pick. If yeah. you're reaching, hoping to develop him, then I don't like the pick as much at the end of the second round. So it depends mm. on you know. But we were talking about it weeks ago. Would they take him with a thirty second pick? Right. Which, right. Which and if, they thought if about it. If they if they thought about that, then they think he's a legit. NFL starter really eventually good. in his career. Is he going to yeah. be year one? Probably not. He's more of a project. I mean, he hasn't played as much in college. What? How many years had he been since he started? Once he started at Florida, it had been five years since he had started a game or something like that. Um, right. He never started in high school. He's always behind King. But it's, it's a guy you know who can be patient, who's going to work his butt off based on his track record. Um, yes. And he gets to learn from one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You know whether Tom takes him under his wing and mentors him, but even just watching the way he works and in that quarterback room oh, yeah. with him as they're breaking down film and looking at the opponent and everything else. I mean, you know, it, just being being there alone is going to help him tremendously. And if you think he's got a chance to be a legit quarterback, I love the pick at, at the end of the second round. Yeah, no, and I, I think they do think that. I mean, I, they like him a lot better than some people, but I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when you talk to him, they go, "Look." Um, you know, there's there's a knock on his arm. You know, some people don't think his arm's strong enough. But they're like, all I can say is, you know, that the guy's incredibly accurate. And sometimes when you read things out so well and guys are so open that your arm kind of gets criticized because you're not having to gun the balls in there. You're just, you know, the, he's just so good with understanding what defenses are doing. Um, just a very heady quarterback. And, has about the same mobility as Tom Brady. And, you know, he pokes fun at himself, you know, the old Brady photo at the Combine. You know, Trask had one of those uh, shirtless and, you know, showing how unathletic he appears to be uh, outside of the, you know, the uniform. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I mean, you're right. If, if you believe, if you believe that at some point Kyle Trask is going to be a starting quarterback and take you to a Super Bowl, then you have to take him. You, you know, you just do. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I think one of the things, you know, I was talking to Clyde Christensen that he liked was, you know, unlike some quarterbacks, uh, Trey Lance that come out of small schools, um, you know, he played for a couple of years with superstars. I'm talking guys that mm-hmm. may put on a gold jacket one day, you know, like, like, like the dude that's going to Atlanta, you know, Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when you play with people of that caliber and, and, you know, you learn how to manage their expectations, you know, you're responsible for getting them the ball and you do, you're responsible for keeping these guys happy. Um, that's actually a positive. Some people try to use that as a negative and said, well, look who he's playing with. Well, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Those guys are talented, but what, how does he make use of them? You know, when is he in their ear and all this stuff? And so Trask has kind of gone through that. Whereas, you know, if you're coming from North Dakota State, who knows, you know, that you've ever had to um, get in a huddle and, and, you know, give the guy the business. So they really, really liked him. Um, and, I'm you know, I'm okay with it. I like it. I, there's certainly players. We This is in, inevitable, I think. You know, if Trask doesn't play and some there's some injuries, they will try out the list of the number of players that are impactful that they did not take because they took a quarterback that they had no intentions of playing. I mean, I've had both Jason Light and John Spitek almost in chorus say to me, you know what, at this point, Tom can play as long as he wants to. I mean, it's really their attitude, you know? Absolutely. It's like he'll decide. Yeah. So that's why he's not threatened. That's why it's not Aaron Rodgers' thing. But they're willing to give him, you know, and why not? And and as they said, they told Tom Brady ahead of time they may take a quarterback. Yep. (laughs) Didn't surprise and, and them. They said, "Right, yeah, like Aaron Rodgers. What a story that is, by the way." And, and holy cow! And, and even if they had taken one in the first round, it wouldn't have. I mean, and they had that luxury because they just won the Super Bowl and have everyone coming back. The Bucks could have done anything they wanted with their first round pick. Where Green Bay had holes to fill, and they took a quarterback. Now, not saying it was the wrong move, 
But you might have wanted to let Aaron Rodgers know that. <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> I mean, literally didn't tell the guy, you know? And here's the thing about Aaron Rodgers. Like, you know, there's a difference between faith and religion, right? You know, because religion, you go to the church and you're religious and you this, that, and the other. You know, faith is what you have to have, you know, <laughs> when you die. I mean, um, it's the great unknown. But if you're Aaron Rodgers, um, you got faith because you've been through this. Like you, you were that guy. You know what I mean? Like you were the guy. The other, you were the other woman. Like you know, they had a dude who was putting on a gold jacket and Brett Favre, and they brought you in to take his job. And and they and they got and they shipped Brett Favre. They shipped the greatest quarterback they ever had at the time away so that you could play. So you know darn well they're going to do it for Jordan uh, at some point. And and you know so I mean. He's hosting Jeopardy. He can probably make, I don't know, twelve million dollars a year doing that. He really wants to do it, and his leverage is just: I'm not coming to Green Bay. My Green Bay days are over. You know, they said he was embarrassed that it came out. Okay, stop it. You know what I mean? It I came even out heard because Adam your Shet- people put it out there. Well, and and here's the thing. And I like listen. No one does a better job than Adam Schefter. Period. You know, if you don't believe me, you know, talk to one of his four million followers. Um, but, but at the end of the day, so we're to believe that, you know, one minute Tim Tebow was talking about, I worked out with Jacksonville and I might be a tight end and that's the news cycle. And then literally before that thing could even take root, you have this story about how, according to my sources, Aaron Rodgers is not wanting to play in Green Bay. You know, both the head coach and the GM has gone to California several times and you're like, whoa, where did this come from? And then. You know, Shefty got back on, I guess, a day later and said, hey, whoa, 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 the time. And the giver was like, wasn't that interesting? You know, right before the draft, like, geez, I wonder how he timed that one up. And he came back and said, no, it had nothing to do with that. He said, you know, this has been going on for a long time, and it just so happened that I reported it that day. So all I know is it was a bombshell. It was a a Shefty bombshell. And and, um, who knows, you know, at the end of the day how that turns out, but. I saw a funny yeah, meme no. on the internet. I don't remember who, who I saw it from, but although they probably didn't create it, but it said mm-hmm. Tom Brady comes to the NFC for one year, and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers retires. <laughs> right, <laughs> and the last passes they threw for those two teams, where they spent their whole careers, might have been against Tom Brady. It's incredible. It really is. It's it's just it's bizarre. I guess you know Tom. You feel so bad. Tom makes you want to quit. Um, so yeah, Trask is is somebody to watch, and then if Russell Wilson announces th- his retirement, then we've got something really weird going on. Oh man, right? Hey, these guys have power now; they know it, and they're going to use it. Well, that's, that's I mean that's, that's the other the part of what Aaron Rodgers is doing. It's the Tom Brady effect of exactly you know, what what Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, and they're all starting to flex their power a little bit now. That's you know, right. I don't like what's going on in this franchise. I don't. You know, I don't. I'm not happy about my protection. I'm not. You know, whatever it is. Hmm. Yeah, and he's got the luxury of Jeopardy. You know, right now. I mean, he could end up a permanent host there and still play football. Um. So that's gonna be something to watch. Round three. Uh. They they get a, a need guy in Robert Hainsey out of Notre Dame. He's a guard. He can play all five positions. He went to the Senior Bowl. Most guys, if you ask him to play, hey, try it right tackle or try it left guard, they'll tell you no. They don't want to hurt their stock. He was like, okay, I'll do whatever. And, you know, eventually the Bucks are going to need some interior depth on the offensive line. I think Ryan Jensen, um, you know, is in the final year of his contract. And, you know, so, uh, you know, I think this is a this is sort of a want versus need. But um, I, I think he's a solid guy that played a lot of important football games. You can never have enough a, depth on the back end. No. And, and he's a, in, in versatility. Like a dude that could play, you know, tackle, guard, all five, like – those are the guys that get the helmets, right? When you get to that inactive list and you say, well, who's down? Well, you know, a guy that can come in in any position on the offensive line is always really, really valuable. So that was a really good pick. My my, my favorite pick outside of maybe the interesting one, you know, Trask and, um, and of course, uh, you know, Tryon, um, is this kid from North Texas, um, Jalen Darden, uh, pick around four, number, pick number 129. Listen, this guy, anybody you talk to, like he is explosive. Led the nation, the nation in touchdowns with 19. Uh, and his story is so, I mean, he's like, he's five foot eight, right? He's always been counted out. 
many, many times over. Um, you know, he's tried to to get in the weight room and, and become stronger and all of that. But his motivation last year, we just ripped it because he had had 12 touchdowns the year before, is that he lost his father uh, to heart disease. His dad died of a heart attack before the start of last season. He, of course, took that and, and just, you know, it inspired him and um, credits his dad with all his success. And it was an emotional time for him to get drafted. But uh, he's going to be a kick returner for them. And let's face it, you know, the Bucks could use – even more speed. You say, well, where the, how are they going to get all these receivers on the field? But, um, you know, guys do get hurt, and we're still a long way from, you know, playing the first game in September. So um, I just think he's a special kid with a special story, and they really, really liked him, as as is K.J. Britt. I mean, he's an inside linebacker from Auburn, um, highly productive. He hurt his thumb, so he didn't play as many games a year ago. But, uh, you know, he's kind of a throwback, like back in the day. You know, when you had the quintessential big, thick uh, Mike linebacker, you know, um, this would be the guy. He can play in any era, but this would be the perfect guy, K.J. Britt, to play that Mike linebacker in a 4-3 um, when teams would just try to run the ball all the time and he'd blow you up. Doesn't run as well as you think. He's like a 2-6-something guy. Uh, so coverage, he's a liability. I don't know he's going to be a three-down linebacker. Um, he doesn't have to be right now. He can, you know, certainly spell some guys and, you know, you're always going to see, um, you know, I mean, they have Devin White, right? They're not going to take him off the field. They have Levante David. Um, so there's not a lot of room, but with special teams, he's going to make an impact right away. Uh, he's really, really good. And then, um, Chris Wilcox was their seventh, their two seventh round picks. They get Chris Wilcox, who's kind of a long six foot two, um, cornerback out of BYU, a guy that looks a lot body wise to the ones people that we have with Carlton Davis and, um, you know, Sean Murphy bunting and these guys, uh, but can really run. Like he ran like a four, three, one as pro day and just shocked everybody, uh, was made a lot of tackles can play down in the box. Never had an interception in college, which is one thing that's really jumps out at you. He says, Hey, I'm working on my ball skills and catching the ball and all that. Um, but another guy that's going to play special teams, be a gunner, or all of that, uh, and I won't get too deep into this. Maybe we'll have Joey Knight come on and tell us about this story. But uh, Mr. Irrelevant, you know, they had the final pick in the draft, number 259. And they took Grant Stewart, who's a linebacker out of Houston, another incredibly productive dude. And But his story is so compelling. I mean, he had a rough life. He was responsible for many of his siblings. Um, his mom was uh, wrapped up in drugs and, and a little bit of human trafficking and, and um was a sex worker, these kind of things. And he has become an advocate, um, you know, to uh, eradicate human trafficking. And, you know, it was funny because he's such a lively guy. You'll know him from his hair. He's got crazy hair and he's all over the field at Houston. And, you know, he just feels like he needs, this platform is his for another reason. And he's, he's done some things, like I said, uh, spoken out against human trafficking, this sort of thing. And when he was picked by the Bucks, um, you know, he was get he was getting calls from, you know, his agent was getting calls from teams trying to sign him as an undrafted guy because they were right at the end of the draft. And it just so happened that his dad, for whatever reason, on the way over to hang with him for the draft, stopped and he got one hat. And you don't even know why he bought it necessarily, but after he got picked by the Bucks, his dad's like, hey, go look at that hat that I got you. And he pulls it out, and it's the old Bucko Bruce uh, Tampa Bay hat. He just happened to have it. Like, it's so bizarre, right? If you believe you believe in miracles, yes. It, it's just I think Grant, you know, really, he's a religious guy, and he believes, you know, this, this is serendipity. And, um, you know, so I just thought it was a good – he's a great story. And I'm sure, like I said, I think Joey's going to write about him uh, later this week. So all in all, I mean, it's not the flashiest draft in the world, right? But – who are we to say they're not going to hit on the guys because look at the guys they've hit on in the last two, three years. And um, the biggest question is going to be, you know, is Trask, whenever Tom retires, assuming he does within the four years Trask is under contract, you know, will he be ready to step in and be that be that starting quarterback? Well, what what as you're telling all these stories and what comes back to mind is the story you guys wrote a week ago, two weeks, whatever it was. Mm. How, particularly after the 2016 draft, which was a disaster yeah. for the Bucks and Jason Light and, and the staff. Sure was. Is they've worked on drafting 
better people, mm-hmm. not necessarily better players. And you hear these stories of these guys, and and mm-hmm. you know they have a nice luxury. They're not drafting for need. They're able to draft who they think is the best person for their schemes, their team, their locker room, everything. I mean, you know, they, they're they not a team that's got, we've got holes here, 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 here. We have to fill them through the draft. Because they're able right. to go out and get the guys that they want, that they think will fit their scheme, their locker room, their culture, and, and, and you know, represent their organization the way they want to be represented. And that's... You know, when you when you have that winning culture that Tom Brady brought, and and granted was building through the draft too. I mean, give Jason Light a lot of credit for that. You know, he doesn't come right. without a roster that's full of some good good players. No, you know, Tom Brady wasn't going to the Detroit Lions. Mm-mm. You know, that's not that wasn't happening. He's going to an organization that had players that could win. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but you know, that's what stood out to me about this Bucks draft is they were able to draft the players they wanted. They didn't have to be sitting there going, I gotta find an offensive tackle. I've got to find a linebacker. I have to find what name the position. I have to find a quarterback. If Trask was mm-hmm. taking a couple picks before them, maybe they don't take a quarterback in this draft. Don't know. They might not, yeah. You know, and, and, and but it wasn't like they had to go in having to take a quarterback or mm-hmm. name the other any other position. A receiver, a punt returner. They didn't have to go do that. It Sure, punt returner probably is a, a returner is a position of need on this team, but they could have filled that other ways. But they found a guy they really oh, sure. liked, and so that, that's what I took away from this Bucks draft is they got to take guys they really wanted and fit their needs. They didn't have to reach or stretch or you know mm-hmm. you know do any of those stuff that you hear other teams having to do at times. Yeah, they moved up in fact to get uh, to get Darden in mm-hmm. the, in the uh, fourth round. Um, you're right. I mean, you know, all these guys, they overcame something. They all have some adversity in their life that they've had to overcome. They also are achievers or in some cases overachievers. Um, you know, Tryon's a guy that had over a three point, I think 3.1 GPA, you know, at, at the university of Washington, he didn't need that. He needed a 2.0 to play. Um, but it mattered to him, you know, and when you talk to him again, he reminds me so mature, it's just another guy like you're talking to Antoine Winfield Jr., um, you know, or, or you know, somebody or Tristan Wirfs. I mean, that that's sort of how they carry themselves, and it's just really, really, really fascinating. So I think they, I think they did well. I think you know, look, they addressed some wants. They didn't they didn't go after a ton of needs, um, but you know, who are we defending Super Bowl champions to question the great and powerful Oz? I mean, at this point, they're on a roll, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this. All the guys were. And this is always nice to know. I think, you know, when you're when you're waiting for your fate, you know, you think about the, the NFL is going to determine where you play, where you where you live, um, where you're going to meet perhaps, potentially your next wife. I mean, like, you know, there's so much randomness to it, you know. Um, it's just it's, it's crazy. But um, I think they did a good job. I, I like their draft. Again, it's hard to judge, but. As some of these guys, these older guys, move on, and this is this is what the draft is for—is to, you know, to keep an eye towards the future. So, um, yeah, it was good. And it was, you know, they could—I could have done without one or two more picks. I thought they were going to trade up or bundle those seventh rounders and, and move on, but they decided not to. They kind of stayed where they were, and they stayed where they were in the first round. Um, the only guy they moved up for was Darden because he just really, really liked everything about him. So. They got them right there. Just remember, uh, every not, team, every team, the board fell exactly the way they thought it would. They got exactly absolutely. the guy they wanted with every pick they made. So just remember, they that got team. the highest, the highest rated player that was still left on their board. In fact, Steve, that was yes. the guy they took. Yes, it, it was incredible. It, it, like everything that happened ahead of them, they knew exactly. It, it fell perfectly the way they planned it. So exactly, yeah, hundred percent on the mock drafts, um, which is always the case for sure. Uh, I didn't see a lot of the Rays. I saw enough to know they weren't swinging the bats again and still. And it's not been a very good homestand, to say the least. Houston Astros took two out of three. The Rays did win on Sunday. Austin Meadows, I think, had a three-run homer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they've got here, – here's what they did get was pretty good pitching for the most part on, in mm-hmm. you know over the weekend. You know, even though they, they lost some games, they, they pitched pretty well, I thought. Um, you know, so, so you take that positive – but they're struggling. They're all scuffling along, man. They're their lineup. You just don't expect that many guys to, you know, to be pressing. You know, you need your good players to be good, and that's why it was so refreshing to see Austin Meadows. You know, you need Brandon Lau. You need you need these guys to, uh, you know, to Willie Adamas and to to really step up and start leading this team. Um, 
and it it just it isn't happening. They can't score runs. And at some point, you can say, well, they ran into a buzzsaw here, really good pitching staff there. At some point, it's just on you. You're just not a good hitting team. I, I think there's a combination of both. I mean, let's give credit. Oakland and Houston are two of the better teams in the American League. They are. Um, they are. You know, Absolutely. I mean, oh, at Oakland won 13 in a row before they lost the game before they came into town. Uh, you split mm-hmm. with them, and then you you know, you only won one of three against Houston. Mm-hmm. Not a successful homestand, but it wasn't like you were taking on Detroit or you know, right in Minnesota, who's who's pretty scuffling mm-hmm. right now. You know, you were taking on yeah. two teams that are good. Um, yeah. My wife, by the way, on a side note, uh, my wife and kids went to the game Saturday, and my mm. wife, I was working the Lightning game, but my wife was texting me. Every time Altuve and Correa get up, they're booing relentlessly. She goes, it's awesome. <laughs> Find me a garbage can as I get bang on. Yeah. So, well, in some ways, they, they got the last laugh. Maybe not that day, but, you know, overall, they've, and they're getting that in every city they go mm-hmm. to. Yep. You know? But, I mean, so. the, pitching staff's, the pitching staff's doing pretty well, and Pete Fairbanks apparently may be back on this road trip. Uh, he threw That's huge. Sunday. He's going to throw a sim game Monday in Los Angeles, and then – um. Yeah, he could be back sometime later in the, in the trip. So they get Pete Fairbanks back and back into that bullpen. That's going to help significantly back there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that, you know, don't forget I mean, the bats wise, not necessarily, but pitching wise. I mean, the Rays are hanging in there with their pitching staff, and how many guys are on the the IL? Oh, ton. You know, yeah, I mean, it's 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 nuts how much there is. Um, and then Shane, Shane McClanahan. They're not hitting. Yeah, Shane McClanahan. Oh, yeah. I don't remember Boy, if we talked about him yet, but uh, he looked really good. Um, yeah. I can't, yeah I, no, actually, he young pitched guys. Thursday, so I think we did talk about it on Friday show. We might have mentioned him, yeah. Yep. I, I, here's what they got, is they got some young arms that are going to be around a while, and we're seeing them mm-hmm. you know, just about um, every week. I'm encouraged. I think they're going to straighten it out. They're, they're pitching. I just don't know. Um, you know what? Here's some good news. Wander Franco. Is in Triple A. Yes, he's one heartbeat away. Mm-hmm. And and at the end of the day, if they want to win a championship, with the way some of these guys are swinging the bats, they may actually need him yeah. sooner than later. And and if the bats stay this cold, you may see him sooner than later. We'll see how he starts in Triple A. I mean, you know, it all depends on him too. If oh he, sure. If he's ice cold in Triple A, you're not calling him up. So no, you, he's going to have to have success. Um, but and and talk to some people that that pay attention to a lot of this stuff more than I do. And, you know, and I love baseball, you love baseball, but if the Rays can stay 500 or just, you know, just barely above that around 500 mm-hmm. by the halfway part of the season, the second half of the season gets easier schedule-wise. Oh, okay. The the, mm-hmm. the toughest part of their schedule is in the front half of the season. And so if they can hang around and be 500 a game or two above, three games above by the All-Star break, when you hope to get some pitching back, Mm-hmm. You know, it could Nick Anderson be back around the All Star break, um, and, and mm-hmm. others. I mean, you've got some players that'll come back, and your schedule gets lighter in the second half of the season, uh, and maybe guys like Wander Franco's up by then, and, and others if if he performs in Triple A. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a the thought that the Rays need to just hang in. There's not the Stuff right word at five hundred, but, but you know, stay in the race. I mean, they're you know they're stay what, in the race. They're fourteen and fifteen. They're three games out. They're in, they're mm-hmm. in the race. I mean, you're three game. That's a series. It's a weekend series against Boston. You've caught them. Uh, if right. you can sweep them, I mean, you know. So hang in there. Get through this rash of injuries on your pitching staff. But the bats mm-hmm. at some point, the bats have to to heat up. I mean, you know, I, you know, you've taken a lot of flack I've seen on Twitter and everything else for saying this would maybe the best Rays offense ever. Hey. Um, if I said it, you know it's true. <laughs> I mean, you can't have nice things. What was I doing? Next year, you need to say they have the worst offense in Ray's history. So maybe the opposite will happen. But hey, the month—it's just one month. It's not the whole season. You know, they could turn it around. I have faith. But man, do they look bad at the plate? No, but as I our mean, as our I've good never... friend uh, Les had tweeted us, uh, I think this was for Friday. He says the number of players in the Ray starting line at Friday that were batting above two forty-eight, one. <laughs> oh, wow. That's not good. Yeah. No. I, I'm assuming a Rosarena wasn't in the lineup that day. But yeah. Um is his average really that, good so it's far? Really bad. I know Joey well, Wendell's was Joey over Wendell's at one, at, Okay. I think Wendell's dropped off a little. I, I'm just talking average wise. Obviously Wendell's had a hell of a start with the home runs and RBIs and things like that. But I wanna say um I wanna say that he was around I mean 
I think Rosarino was around 300 uh, for a good part of the of the uh, early part of the first. Joey month. Wendell's at 289. Rosarino's at 273. Okay. Manuel Margot is two sixty eight. Um, mm-hmm. This is only showing those who have so many at bats. I want to find. Yeah, well, I mean, Andy Diaz two thirty five, Austin Meadows two fifteen, Brendan Lau two hundred, Willie Adamas one sixty seven. Yeah, see, I mean, you gotta get something from Lau and those guys. It, it's just not, it's not clicking right now, and it, it needs to. Yeah, I mean, Wendell's at two eighty eight. Mejia's at two eighty eight. He doesn't have enough to qualify. Kiermaier's at two forty six. So you only you have four mm-hmm. players above two fifty. Yeah, not good. And nobody above two eighty nine. Yeah, and and just the the home runs and runs productions and things like that. It's not coming from the bats that you would think, right? Yeah, you know what Zanino um, and Austin Meadows Zanino. now both have five home runs, so they're leading the team. Brendan Lyle's got four. Yeah. Yeah, and hats off to Zanino. I mean, that's you know he doesn't play every day, and he's providing a lot of power and big big home runs for him. So it's great. Yeah, he's got what five home great. runs and fifty four at bats. So you know, one out of every eleven at bats, essentially, he's hitting a home run. For, I'll take it. Now they go to the West Coast for a while now, right? They're, in, they're uh, yeah, uh, Los Angeles to face the Angels, and then up to uh, I believe Oakland to face the the A's. So they'll wrap up the their A's season again. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's tough. That's a tough road trip, and they need to make some hay because they did not really uh, have a great homestand to say the very least. So you're right. Stay around five hundred. Catch, catch fire the second half. Um, I, I still am not a believer in the Red Sox winning the AL East. I'm just not. Um, I don't know how they're doing it. I really haven't watched them all that much, but I don't know. I, I, I that, that one, that one, they could be reeled in. I think. Well, the Yankees have come back because they're now 500. They've passed the Rays. They have. They're a half yeah. game ahead of the Rays, and they're they're starting yep. to warm up a little bit. So, and that's that would be your next opponent at home uh, after this yeah. West Coast trip when you get the uh, late night with the Rays. What nine thirty mm-hmm. starts for nine forty starts wow. for all week Monday through Friday, and then Oof. over the weekend it'll be four o'clock starts uh, in Oakland. Yeah, uh, late night. And then you get the Yankees and Mets at home the following homestand. So, right. Well, yeah. I mean, I st- I still think the Yankees are one of those teams that you can't ever count out. And again, we're one month one month into the season. It's not panic time yet, but you you sure would like to see more from their bats. It just just isn't happening. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss the lightning we mentioned got three points um you know they they tied at detroit essentially lost in a shootout um the first night uh and then mm-hmm. uh then they won and here's the thing we didn't we didn't see andre vasilevsky in either game which i guess at the minimum is a good rest for him you know which during which is a very uh, you know condensed uh, schedule and and we're winding it down now. You want them fresh for the postseason, so mm-hmm. you know it was. And they got good. Here's the other thing: they got pretty good performances from both goaltenders. I thought. So the Lightning over the weekend in Detroit, they dominated Detroit over the weekend. Now they got three or four points because they had a zero zero shutout or zero zero tie go to a shootout on Saturday, which they lost in the eighth round of the shootout. And then Sunday they won two to one, but how they played in their defensive zone is what you're looking for in the playoffs. They outshot Detroit 33 to 15 I think on Saturday something 15 close shots, to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh Sunday was similar they were out shooting them tremendously. They were playing responsibly in their defensive zone. This the Lightning team right now looks like a team getting ready for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean the way they're playing. And and I tweeted this out earlier. And, and people kind of forgot this because it's Detroit and you're thinking you should take 4 points from Detroit. And, and, you know, the way they played, they should have taken four points. But you got three. They just wrapped mm-hmm. up five games in eight days. They took nine out of ten points in that stretch and only played Vasilevsky in three of those games and got him rest over the weekend. That's tremendous, yeah. Late in the season, you took nine out of ten on a five games and eight-day stretch. You'll take that every day no matter what. 
You're not going to mm-hmm. complain. About, and and the game you the game you lost in the shootout, you should have won. I mean, you played well enough to win. You just nothing was going in the net. I mean, credit mm-hmm. um, uh, their goalie uh, Grice Thomas Grice on Saturday. Um, credit him for the way he played because the Lightning played very good hockey over the weekend. You only took three or four, you know, of the points over the weekend. But like you said, Vazzy didn't play either game. You had Christopher Gibson go in there and play well. McElhinney he played really well on Saturday. Um, now you've got four games left in the season. You got Wednesday, and you've got uh, Friday, Saturday, and then uh, and Monday at Florida. So you've got four games left in the regular season. You are currently tied with Florida for second in the division, but you have a game in hand. So in, in, in Carolina is two points ahead of you, and they have a game in hand. So at this point, it looks like the Lightning are most likely going to end up with the second or the third seed. They could catch Carolina. They're going to need some help from Chicago and uh, Nashville as well, who may be battling for the playoffs when they play Carolina. So uh, all that's still up in the air, but the Lightning are playing well right now. I mean, all the stuff we complained about for the last couple weeks at times, how loose they were defensively, they are starting to fix that now. And and you're starting to see a team that looks like they're ready or getting ready to play playoff-style hockey. So... Um, I, I think it's all good. When you look at the five and eight days, you know, they had this earlier about a month or two ago. They played five and eight days, and they got eight out of ten points in that stretch. They won four out of five. I mean, you know, in a normal season, you don't play five and eight days. You just don't. They don't do that to teams. But in this condensed season with schedule changes and everything else, it's happened. And the Lightning have done it twice and done very well. And, and that's, you know, kudos to them and, and you know, you know they keep finding ways to get it done. Yeah, I mean they're they're going to be ready. They're going to be ready for the postseason, man. They can they can taste it. They're so close, and you just got to see you know how, how Stamkos and Kucherov come along. Um, that's going to be something to watch. But I like the way they're playing. They're playing much better now. By the way, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll get out of here here in a second. Did you see my boy Tom Brady at the Kentucky Derby? Did you see that outfit? I did. It looked good. Well, it, I mean, he can pull off anything, first of all, right? Sure. I mean, the guy, you know, he just, you know, he is the model face and all of that, right? So, you know, a swimming pool, you can put a swimming pool in that dimple chin, right? I mean, you could, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, he, he's a good looking guy. Um, however, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this meme or not. I think I know which he one looks, you're talking about. He he looks, he is dressed and looks a lot like uh, the Robert Ra- Rabbit, oh, yes, Roger yes. Rabbit villain, Judge Doom. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's stunning how close it is. <laughs> It's funny, man. Well, People saw, are funny. The internet's great. I saw another meme, which is even better. So it's got the Brady, and, and it had Aaron Rodgers, a picture of him from, it looked like in a box or something. And he's got the, <laughs> he's got the suit on, but at that time he had taken the tie off and just right. had the, you know, the shirt un, unbuttoned. Open collar. Open collar yeah. there. And, and the way his hair was sitting there looking out. And it says, Aaron Rodgers came to the Kentucky Derby to arrest Tom Brady. <laughs> because <laughs> it kind of looks like the horatio kane look of csi miami or something like that exactly <laughs> i thought exactly. that was a brilliant meme <laughs> can you imagine if those two guys you know stopped each other in the men's room i mean what a conversation they must have and uh, rogers you know they asked him mike Tarico. Tarico asked him uh about the whole situation and he was like look yo man i, I don't want to be interviewed on camera i'm not doing anything on camera but they said he was. They said he was embarrassed that it came out, and then people were talking about it the day of the draft. Like you know, and again, I go back to according to my sources, Aaron Rodgers did. He did not plan this to happen on draft day. Well, here's the thing, Adam, you're the one that broke the story on draft day. Yeah, when did he so, plan on it coming out? <laughs> like, like exactly when did he tell you to run? I mean, you know how this works, right? I mean, people find out stories and you report them when you find them out. Okay. And, and no one's a better reporter than Adam Schefter. However, do, are we naive? Do we think that somebody didn't, you know, at least give a wink nod that, you know, you might want to check out the situation today or this weekend with Aaron because he's really pissed off at the Packers? I mean, you reported the story on draft day. Don't tell me it didn't matter that it came out on draft day. If that were the case, why did you report it? You know, what well, well, I just found out. Well, okay. Well, that means somebody told you on draft day, and you felt. Com- but he, he almost made it sound like this story could have been reported any day. It's been going on for a long time. Well, okay, Are so you sitting on is it, Adam? Grant? <laughs> right, I don't think so. I mean, that would be grandstanding. You know, you're not you're not doing that. Like, so I don't know. It's just kind of funny to me. But 
Yeah, that's uh, that's one to watch, man. I, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't think the Packers, you know, I know this, they're not trading him. Like, they will not trade him. He's going to ride or die. And he may have to just go all leverage and say, okay, I'm going to host Jeopardy. And then the Packers are in a bad place, a deep, dark, stormy place. And Rodgers will have to decide, you know, can he get them to crack during the year and get back in it? Or um, does he go host Jeopardy and say the hell with football? Like, we really don't know him. He's a different cat. Got the Hollywood wife now, right? Um, Soon-to-be wife. Uh, Everything's changed for him. So he just doesn't want to be in Green Bay anymore. And, you know, I feel like they mismanaged the whole situation. And finally, congratulations to Sam Burns. He's 24 years old. The LSU golfer wins his first PGA Tour event. That's not an insignificant thing, especially for a 24-year-old. Wins the Valspar at Innisbrooks. Innisbrooks, listen to me. Innisbrook. Um, I used to live there or out that way. And, you know, but uh, there are so many uh, tremendous golfers these days. There, there seems to be a good bit of parity. I mean, you had, you know, a great field in this one, uh, Justin Thomas and, and, and many others. Uh, and this kid went out there and, and he had finished, you know, he'd been close before. I think he was fourth a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, he, it's, it's always cool to watch these guys win their first tournament, but watch out for him. I mean, you know, this, this, that sort of thing can launch you, you know, when you win. And, and, and it's a good look. Valspar has been a good tournament for these guys. That's why they attract such a good field. Uh, the course is impeccable. Uh, it's a challenging course. You, it's unforgiving. You have to hit the ball in the right places. Um, and so, yeah, good, good for him is a great, Weekend weather-wise, I know they had limited crowds out there, um, but those that, uh, that that were there were rewarded with some really, really good golf. So it was a cool week for them, for sure. So just remember, tomorrow we're going to do the all-important mailbag segment. Your questions answered 100% correctly, guaranteed. Uh, submit those to us on Twitter if you would like, at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, and I've already got some emails and uh, questions coming in. Um, about a lot of things at rstroud or rstroud at tampabay.com. That's my email address, rstroud at tampabay.com. It was a busy weekend. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.